Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 60. In this episode, my friends and I talk about marriage. We have one in our numbers who is soon to be wed, and so we talk about a Christian perspective on marriage, as well as really asking the question, uh, what are some of the topics that you would need to discuss with a person before um, you would feel comfortable committing yourself into a relationship with them lifelong? Uh, So if any of that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and give it a listen. And I hope you enjoy. Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> Nobody's sitting here. I was going to see how long it would take. <laughs> it's just me here. Today. You're talking to figments of my imagination. Joined here Whoa. by Tyler Durden. That would be great. It's just, it's, hey guys, and then two hours of nothing. And then, all right, so we'll see you next time. Uh, just the sounds that of chewing. in my mind. And <laughs> drinking water. What, what are you... is everybody doing? Huh? Is uh, is your Puerto Rican girlfriend? <laughs> is your sporting that shirt? Yeah, that means I have a go- Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican? Don't. Personal Don't. record. By the way, you didn't have Venezuelan food. No, uh, she said she's gonna make it. She's gonna make it another day. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. She's just teasing you, man. I'm a friend. She's from Venezuela, and she makes some amazing Venezuelan food. Really good. Mm. And I was like, "Hey, like, you've had it? Yeah, it's really good." <laughs> it's a very some important people, question. Some people just say things. <laughs> oh no, it, it's really like, good. is it insensitive to make a joke and say like the thing about Venezuelan food is you have to wait in line for like seven hours before they <laughs> hand it to you? Oh, but I asked her to Get make it, it again. Yes. Yeah, because of socialism. Yeah. <laughs> Bachelor's to make again. She said yes. That's two strikes. Mm. Yeah. I don't think she's into you. Yeah. I just can't put the Is food. there something that's going on? Do I not know about this? No, there's nothing going on. Oh, okay. okay. Not but yet. you never know it. Not until the yeah. 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 He's but. very back and forth. On <clears throat> what? On David what? either <laughs> lies or he gets asked out by girls more than any male I have yeah. ever met. Surprisingly, I do get asked out. I've only asked one girl out. How many times? Once? Tw- they what? You should have just said yes. Yes. 2022. No, 20- twice. Because of the beginning of the year in uh, Megacon. Yeah. Dang. Someone asked you out at Megacon? Yeah. Ooh. You went to Megacon? Well, I got the number for him. That also, wasn't a girl. That was a guy cosplaying as a girl. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> You see, that's only two times over the span of six months, and yeah. that is still more times than I feel like most guys I know have ever been asked out. Right? Been have you ever out? been asked out by a girl? Yeah. Yeah? Like on a date? Uh, well, for like relationship, actually. But it was Whoa. like, I was in eighth grade and she was in seventh grade. No, that doesn't count. So as an adult? Yeah. Asked out? Out? 18. Oh. I wouldn't say asked out because usually you do the asking out. Is the... I know that's that's the whole point is yeah. that it's weird that David has been asked out. Well, you know what it is. I like think seven it is. times since I've known him. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just fun. He does have awesome. I think I think I don't want to say I'm I'm gaslighting them. I hope not. <laughs> but they ask me out because I'm emotionally manipulating. No, no. <laughs> what is what about getting a number? Like without you asking? Yeah. A girl just gave you her number. Yeah. I th- I'd say that counts. There you go. That happens to him a lot. Yeah, actually. What number was it? Like, that could happen. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say The Hobbit? No, I said that you you actually do get a lot of attention. No, I 
What? Yes, you do, Eric. You do. Tell me who. You do get a good amount of like girls, uh, like thinking that you're into that funny, interesting, uh, like good, yeah. maybe even good looking. I don't know because I'm not a funny, interesting person. But uh, <laughs> I, but like I don't, I don't think that necessarily translates to them being, a, like they approach you and they ask for. Yeah, that's a bit. That's yeah. happened once, that I can remember. No, well. No, no, no. Well, Someone telling you that their friend likes you? No, I'd okay. say that doesn't count. Absolutely not. So, yeah. This is what I mean kind of by gaslighting. Which I don't do this on purpose. Grooming. But like, grooming. Yeah, no, that's you, <laughs> no, you, no. So what I do is like, we, we'll be talking, and uh, I'll be like, oh yeah, like, uh, we should like, like, we're like talking about coffee and stuff. Like, oh yeah, we're like, like it's, you guys always something like Capri Suns. I always talk about like Capri Suns. We talk about Capri Suns. Like, oh, I love Capri Suns. So, like, oh. We talk about drinks. And she's like, oh, like, do you want to go get some? Like, do you want to go? And I was like, oh, like, yeah, let's go. It's like, where do you want to go? She's like, well, like, how about, what do we, do you want to go to, like, Target and buy Capri Suns? So like, yeah, we could go to Target. And I was like, well, like, what about coffee? You like coffee? She's like, yeah, like, let's go get coffee. You say let's go get coffee? She says let's go get so coffee. So wait, was the Capri Sun, was that the first mention of Capri Sun? <laughs> or was the conversation already about Capri Sun? No, I think it just matters who, you bring up Capri Sun. Yeah, who started, yeah, who, started who started the approach? So do you ever... Get asked that by anyone above the age of twelve. Hey man, I, I, I drink Capri Suns every day of high school. I did too, but I'm not gonna start off I a conversation about Capri Suns. No, but like you say, like um, it's a great icebreaker. No, hey, what's no. your favorite flavor? Yeah, it, is. Yes, it is. Is it Pacific Cooler is there or other than no. strawberry? Because strawberry. Uh, mountain Cooler. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna assume that it was just like fruit punch. Great. Obviously, I don't <laughs> know much about there probably is that. a fruit punch it, one. It's really interesting. You say that's what you should do it too. So like, like, hey, Pacific like, Cooler. Do you, like, do you like Capri Sun? And they were like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, do you like Capri Sun? And they have to say yes, but they never had it. You know, it might come off more innocent from you because you have your a boyish, baby face. Your boyish looks. Also, quick question. I asked him, how old do I look? Be honest. How how, how old do I look? I think how that's a fair question because I don't know how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess can be honest. Um, Twenty-three. Huh. That's that's about what I'd put him at. If I didn't know, you know how old he is. I don't want to be mean, but somewhere between <laughs> twelve and twenty. How would you, okay. like, how would you think about how old I look? I feel I feel terrible saying this, but at I feel like at you look both sixteen and like eighty-five. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> no, his hair's not gray. If it wasn't the the non-gray hair, but yeah, I would say okay. So my honest answer is like when I first met, I feel like it was like twenty-three, hey. or twenty-two. Hmm, you he looks too. seventeen. Nice. Original. So he's he's twenty-six, right? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. I will say I think a better question to ask people is what is the youngest that I would that I could tell you that I am, and you wouldn't be like what. Oh, that's a good question. You know? Yeah, let's go around and do that. What's the youngest that David, that I could tell you that David is? Let's say you didn't know him at all. I didn't know him at all. If I say I was... I'll yeah, have a visual 20. element of this is just completely lost. I said, I'm 20 years old. Would you believe that? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, would, like I would go to 18. I, I would I mean, believe if him I, if he if said I took away the fact 18. that, you know, I've known you for a couple yeah, of years exactly. and still apparently <laughs> didn't know how old you were, but you were at least out of high school when we met. So I wouldn't believe it, but if I just just looking at you, I would say yeah, twenty. I can believe that. So we went, we went to Sakura shop, and they ID'd me, and I was I felt offended. No, I would oh. definitely card you, for any of those things. Yeah, and also cigars eighteen or 21? 21. 18. No, cigars, 21. It's did they cigarettes. move it to twenty one? Yeah, eighteen. Cigarettes Cig- is 
Oh wait, no. Why? You know what? So I think cigarettes were changed to twenty one recently. Yeah, 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 it is all tobacco. All like in, the la- yeah. in the last I six months. Because yeah. they don't regulate <laughs> cigarettes versus cigarettes. Like it's just tobacco. Yeah. Wow, you uh, lucked out. Yeah. yeah, I think they did recently. Yeah, and, right. and when they do do carding for do do, when they, <laughs> uh, you're not just supposed to be like, do you? It's not the question. Is not do you look a little bit older than twenty one? It's do you look thirty? Mm-hmm. And then we go under that because that's what it, the regulations oh. is. You've got to mm-hmm. card anyone that looks like they're thirty or younger, <clears throat> and it usually Sometimes. frustrates people because they're like, Ugh. that's like the theoretically like the best practice. It's not mm. like you have to, but like you're you're supposed to. Anyone that looked under 30. Just so that there's no wiggle room. Because there are people that I've carded before where I was like, I could have sworn, like I would have sworn this person was like 30, 32, 33. And I got their license and they were like, I just turned 22. Wow. So I was like, man, life has been rough for you. Man. <laughs> the meth has not helped. <laughs> it was it was in Louisville, so probably. Okay, so hang on. We gotta, I gotta revert. Uh... Dan Ruggiero, have you ever been asked out by a girl? Have I ever been asked out by a girl? Or, I, I mean, or, should we say or by a man? Oh, I was well, going to say, or have you ever okay. asked a girl out? Let, no. But I feel like that's an obvious that. question. You're lying. You've only ever asked out one girl? For like real? For real? I, yeah. I, like, I even asked, on a date. I, I went on a couple of pseudo dates when I was younger mm. because, again, I wasn't really into If dating, your parents but, drive you, it doesn't count. That's the rule. That's my parents' job. No. No. <laughs> what if you were like 20, 28 and had a license, or and, and 28 and didn't have a license and your parents drove you? That's a whole different set of circumstances. Also, met my wife when I was 18. So I, like I didn't have, have my now. driver's license for very long in between that period. But if that was the case, I would say, yeah, probably just one. And no. have you ever been asked out by a girl? I've had some, some more aggressive females when I was younger, like in high school and and middle school, Uh, but I did have a couple girls ask me to dances before. Um, That counts. I'd say that counts. Yeah, I had a... Oh, wait, no, we said after. Is this after high school? Well, he met his wife at 18. No, I met my wife when I was 18, so I did have, you know, some people who were showing interest, but it's amazing once you start dating how... People marketable really, you become people people really don't show that much interest anymore after that so mm. hmm. i think i became a lot less attractive but it's all good daniel staten no. have you ever been axed out no i don't think i have either oh i i've had a girl like express i've had a couple girls express interest but never like hey can i get your number or do you want to go out for coffee sometime which is what i'm saying mm-hmm. so capri sun fam that's how you started david you had a uh, genius transition yes how old do you think you should be before you get married? Boo! <gasps> okay. Bad job. That was straight to the point. Yeah. So, <laughs> we have a soon-to-not-be bachelor among Hooray. us. His name is Daniel Staten. He's pretty excited. So. Uh, That's a good, that is a good sign. That's what I heard. He's pretty, comma, excited, <laughs> comma, and a theologian. Oh, I don't like that sentence because it's not parallel. Two adjectives hmm. in a noun. Um, <laughs> oh. but I use the Oxford comma. So, hey man, how are you feeling about... Feeling uh, great. But you're not allowed to use the word excited. Feeling thrilled. You brought Ooh, your no. right? Uh, you feel ready. Elated, I think, would be another good thesaurus word. Do you feel ready? I feel like win? I'll be ready 
As far, what do you mean by that? Like, as, as far as, like, detail-wise or, like, emotionally ready? To be a husband. Not so much for oh, the ceremony. I think so. But maybe that's wildly arrogant to be like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to be awesome. But, like, uh, it's something that I've not just, like, started thinking about as I've been getting married. Like, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Of how can I prep myself to be a husband and prepare for that? Because uh, I was like, you know, as a single guy who was single for a while, I tried to not be like, you know what, just you're, I, one of the things I tried to do is like, I can start prepping now. And I don't mm-hmm. have to be like, oh, I'm not getting married or I'm, it doesn't seem like I'm even dating or getting close to dating. So I'll just ignore that until the cross that bridge kind of thing. I was like, no, I can start prepping and try to build those char- characteristics. So I keep out a ring. You know, just <laughs> out locations, those, yeah. kind of, those kind of things. How did you get prepared? Like, what, what did what did, what did you do? I think one of the things is is trying to build a level of responsibility that someone else could depend upon. Because like that whole fact of, and I'm not. I mean, I think the guy is specifically called, but like both parties are kind of depending on each other, and they need to be thinking of the needs of others. So trying to like develop that where I could. Um, be someone who was responsible, who was attentive, who was, you know, trying to work on my listening skills just in general. So a lot of these things apply to marriage, but also just, like, make you a like, better friend, because they're just all good qualities. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, putting uh, specific sins to death, things like that, that I'm like, I think I need to get over this before I get married, or um, all of those, those things like that have been, like, the bigger picture of marriage. Um, and I think also just that making constant uh practice of trying to eliminate the idol of marriage from my heart like Mm. being like okay this is what's going to make me whole and complete and being Mm. like no i'm complete and i'm going into marriage completing in christ because of his grace not just like i'm a complete person but i'm being made whole in christ um and hit and singleness is the final state and like um i have christ so what what more can i have like those kind of things to remind myself of and not being uh, someone who's like, I need to get married because then I'm a better person, or that I'm mm. more suited to society, or that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be or doing, more or more holy. In God's eyes, exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of that is just, this was a lot of like mental, like thinking the right thoughts, thinking God's thoughts after Him, and like uh, yesterday in church, Pastor Greg uh, had that C.S. Lewis quote mm-hmm. where he said, um, "He who has God and all of the something like he who has God and all the money in the world." does not have anything more than the person who has God alone. Yeah. It's like, Mm. man, that's so, and, and I remember even, I think, I think the first time I consciously thought through it was when I was dating Nicole, which is a bad sign because that means that there were three Mm -hmm. other relationships that I was in that I never, I was just kind of not conscious of it, but it's like specifically thinking of a relationship as an idol Mm. and thinking like, uh, like this is something that you kind of, I don't want to say put it on a pedestal because I think it's right to exalt it and to try to, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, serve serve the relationship mm-hmm. and, and cultivate the relationship, all those sorts of things. But almost like uh, if if this doesn't work out, it's a reflection of God's estimation of me, or it's a mm-hmm. it's a reflection of my uh, personal character, or things like that. Like I I just know that I definitely idolized um, marriage, being in a relationship. I'd say also like uh, having children. Like, I idolized mm-hmm. that, and uh, it was by, I'd say, being denied having children or just not, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to conceive right away that I had to make peace with the fact that, like, you know, that Christ really mm-hmm. is enough. Mm-hmm. I think a practical thing, too, because I gave, gave a lot of, like, mental, like, thinking through and very, like, 
hard to be to think tangibly about. A, like more of a practical way of prepping that, you, that any guy can do at any time. And it's just it, 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 whether you get end up getting married or not, it's good practice. It's good like, developing maturity is uh, learning, like training yourself to not see your time as selfishly yours. I mean, like, I'm devoting this to other people. I'm willing to be inconvenienced for others. I'm willing to um, be like, okay, so... Because I, I think a lot of times, you know, there can that, that thought can get in my head where I'm, like, talking to someone after church and being like, I'm hungry, this is my time, I want to go home, I want to, you know, watch a video and take a nap, and, like, they're, they're eating it into my time instead of being like, no, I'm mm. sacrificing this for them and I'm trying to treat them as more important than myself. As a... Um, not only to honor them, because that's what I want to do, like, but also... Knowing that that trains you for um, more obedience to Christ, because like that's what He calls us to do. But also, it helps you prepare in marriage for when your time is like no longer your own, mm -hmm. and you are needed to be devoted to the other person. You can't just say like, "Well, this is my time; I want it," um, regardless of what needs that you have. So, I think that's one of the good practices, and I think that how that works by, um, you know, giving your time, being generous with your time, uh, serving in the church, and all those kinds of things, like looking to uh, kind of pour out yourself towards others. Right. I think that's a good good practice. And it starts you start to develop where it's like it becomes a delight. It's almost like where you're like, oh, man, I want to be in here. Like, I want to be with these people. Because it, it almost is like the previous stuff that seemed like it was comforting and fun is, is like, well, that's kind of boring now. Like, yeah, I could go home and watch Kenobi, which I really want to do. But it's like, man, I'd rather... <laughs> be with these people because I know what loneliness feels like and it's not super fun I know like I will really enjoy it but uh, I can only have this moment tonight mm. you know we're not going to be at Travis's house tomorrow we're not going to be there Wednesday I can watch Kenobi anytime mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of how I start to balance things and train there's something that you said <clears throat> that caught my attention and if I ask you anything personally you don't want to answer just tell me now they said um, that you were preparing to get married. You're paying. You're preparing for that. So you knew you were gonna get married one day. Did you, was there ever a moment that you were preparing to, you know, I'm gonna be single? Mm -hmm. Like they say, oh, mm -hmm. or when, like if that was, if you did think that when, when it was the transition, or did you, the entire time, you're like, I, I know I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna prepare for this. Yeah, I think it's more. I would call it more aspiring than like I know I'm gonna get married because it's like there's a chance that God might have singleness for me, mm -hmm. and I want mm -hmm. to be. I want to be thinking rightly, thinking mm -hmm. the fact that if God did that, he's not robbing me of something. Yeah. He's not saying like, oh, I've chosen for you to be poor and pitiful. He's chosen a different path of ministry mm -hmm. for me. And so I wanted to be ready for that, ready to sacrifice that if that was what Christ was wanting um, for my life and that was the, the path that he was taking. I wanted to be willing to be like, you know what, I will sacrifice mm -hmm. that. For you, it's not, that's that's where you have to get in order yeah. to be able to say I'm no longer viewing marriage as an idol. Yeah, it's like if God were to demand this mm -hmm. of me, mm -hmm. and like demand that I not mm -hmm. uh, be married, then like I I would be willing to. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's and, not my ideal or my preference, but and I want to make I'll sure submit. I'm like I'm not saying this as someone who is absolutely perfect and for like it's a always a tough idol to mm -hmm. destroy for me. So I'm not like oh I just thought I like woke up. <clears throat> the first day that I never had romantic feelings, it was like, I got to destroy this idol and walk further. Like, this is a hard walk. It took a lot of time, it took a lot of discipline. Um, and a lot of prayer and being like, what do I most value? Yeah. And do I see it as a loss? If Christ gave me 
um, himself, if he gave me a rich life in the church, if he gave me even ministry within the church, and I died single, would I look at Christ and be like, mm, you, I, I lost. You robbed me. Yeah, yeah, you robbed me of something good. And it's like, no, that, that would be amazing and there would be a lot of fullness in that there was a lot of ministry that i was able to do because i was single mm. like i jumped around states for a while mm. um i could not have done that i couldn't co have come here if i was <coughs> married to someone and we were up in uh vermont like i couldn't just pack up and move yeah. with, uh, with the way i did so there was benefits mm -hmm. uh to it but i think aspire is a term i would like it's like i can't see in the future or know that i was gonna be married i that was what i wanted and i would desire for um and i kind of saw it the same way as like aspiring to be an elder a lot of the counsel for that, a lot of what scripture says, like if you aspire to do that, start acting like an elder and then hopefully God ordains and the church mm -hmm. decides to just lift you up in that position. I think one of the, I think it was Bobby Jameson, uh, there was one I was listening to a podcast that I really liked the way he phrased it, where he goes, if you want to be an elder, the first recommendation I give you is try to get confused for an elder. Have people be like, you're an elder, right? Like that's oh. like that's a good first I step. I thought you meant like confused toward no, 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 elder no, no. at your church. Like, like be, start studying that elder. Like, how, like why does he do this? Aim to <laughs> aim that other people just yeah. assume you are one. Mm. Um, that he's like that's a good step. Dress for the job. Start doing the yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it kind of it kind of is, but it, but it's like his his advice also. Swear a name tag that says elder. Elder. Yeah. Uh, but but moment. part of that advice <laughs> comes from a, a you know the thinking in um their their thinking of how the way that church governs words of like. The church itself calls and appoints and votes in the elders. So he's like, if the church is going to vote you yes as an elder, and they already kind of consider you that, he's like, then you're kind of like a shoe in to get voted, um, because they already are seeing you in that way. So I think that's kind of the the point that I'm making about like prepare to be a husband beforehand. Of, of it's kind of that same thing with preparing to be an elder. Of, uh, yeah, I like. It. No, so I'm not gonna say like, like dress like the job you want. You're already wearing the ring and talking yeah. about yeah. the old ball and chain. This <laughs> um, literally has a ball and chain. <laughs> so another, oh, I can't go outside. Another it used question. to be part of a 1920s chain game. Don't worry about it. <laughs> another question would be like for all three of you guys, the, the guys, two guys who are married and one person engaged. Uh, what would the best? If you would give any advice to someone who is single who really wants to get married but doesn't seem like. Well, not maybe it's not seem like just like I'm not asking saying like advice like oh just keep holding on there but like while they're single you should be like you should do if I were you start doing this if you think you're gonna get married while you're single start doing X, specifically y, and Z. to prepare by yes marriage. to yes to prepare for marriage. prepare for yeah to prepare for to prepare yourself to be a husband to be a husband to, someone who's single life. doesn't have a girlfriend or anything but like people's like I know I'm gonna get married one day what I can I do mm -hmm. I aspire to be married one day what can I start doing to be ready. That. Dating. <laughs> Dating. X a girl out. It's <laughs> a good first step. I mean, are you talking about like preparing yourself? Yeah, I, 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 I know that wasn't the question, yeah. but I just thought that. But that is a good one. That's good practice. That should be put out there. That is that's true. That's because... that's what I'm missing right there. That's what's wrong. <laughs> I'm not dating. Well, no, I mean, dude, you go on more dates than most single guys. I, know. I only say that because there are people who aspire to marriage and like you know I want. God to provide the right girl, the right guy, Bro. and it's just like Bro. you just sit there, and it's that's great, but there has to be an action on your part if that right. is what you want. And again, you might not be called to it, and God mm. might not provide that. But if you're just sitting there and hoping that it falls in your lap, it's you not. probably have fewer odds. Falling mm. right out of the sky. Was it? I think it was in Keller's book on marriage where he talks about that, where he goes, "You have this just like 
deified list of all the perfect qualities mm. that a spouse has to have, and if they don't have that, you're not going to go after them. And then he goes, well, start doing an account. Like, let's let's do a, an inventory of your, what do you bring to marriage? And yeah. it's like, usually it's like when you talk to people, they're like, well, I'm a, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I'm working on this. I've got this. He's like, so if you're a sinner, but you're not expecting to marry a sinner, like what aren't you, shouldn't you both have Yeah, like, I, I think I a good, that. a good way of wording that, or it, it's not original to me, but I heard someone say like, you know, think of your dream girl. Would mm. she waste her time on you? Mm. Like, are, are you the type of person that she would think of like, man, if I married this guy, th- this would be a guy who's going to lead me in the word, who's going to, mm. um, you know, who's, who's going to treat our household as, as though it's a kingdom outpost for the, you know, the work of, of God. And he's going to, um, you know, he's, he works hard and, all, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, I, I think the main thing that came to mind when you ask the question, like, what should you be doing to prepare yourself? I, this doesn't sound like the most helpful or overly specific thing, but I think it pertains to everything in life is work on your theology. Mm. Like work on your theology, because I, I will say that kind of like what you were saying, um, Daniel Staten, uh, about preparing. It's like, you know, there was, a, there were things that you've been doing for years to prepare your mind, to prepare your spirit, you know, to, to be the type of person who could be a good husband. And it's like, um, I, one thing that I'll often tell people is Vodi Bakum. Uh, he's got a four hour series on love and marriage. And I, I certainly listened to that entire series in excess of 12 times before I got married. Mm-hmm. And I will say that that has served me greatly because there's so many things in there that it's like you go into what could wind up being an argument just with this different mindset about like, you know, how to approach the problem, how to, how to be submitting our minds to Christ, how to be, you know, I, I'm the husband and I'm the leader and whatever I say, that's where we're going to go. Okay. I get that. But like, I need to be leading with this, you know, this fear and this trembling of like, man, there's a precious daughter of God that if, if mm-hmm. I lead her in this direction and then it is to our ill, I'm going to be held doubly accountable for that because I, I wrestled her into this grave, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I'd say there are a lot of great resources, videos, talks, like just e- even passages, you know, long passages of scripture um, that I could point you, point people to for um, preparing themselves for marriage specifically. But I'd even say like just your theology in general, because what you believe about money is going to impact your marriage. What you believe about uh, authority and government and, and, you know, your own authority over your wife and, and, child rearing like everything you know the one of the things about marriage is like i forget who who said this but it's like you know you get married and then she's always there and you wake up and she's there and then you go to bed and she's there and you you go to the dinner table and she's there and you try to use the bathroom and she's there and it's like you know all this stuff and it's like that can be a burden and like just a a a huge bummer or that can be amazing like that can be just the most awesome joy filling you know joy inducing um truth ever is like look all these problems and and my car breaks down and she's there and my uh you know my uncle passes away and she's there and it's like she's she's there with me and and to um you know to to serve the kingdom with me and all that kind of stuff so uh i I know it doesn't sound like the most helpful thing but it might be like just like, really, really getting your theology in line. Um, 
and and I, I don't want to say theology just as much as like you know cultivate a like read a systematic even though I think that's great or uh, but like cultivating in yourself a love of Christ and a valuing of Christ that supersedes everything else um, because like if if you can get to the point in your marriage where so like even with uh, with Nicole and myself our first we've only really ever had one I don't even want to call it a fight but like a is tiff a word? Like, would a British person call it a tiff? Well, that depends what happened. I'll tell you uh, if it was a fight or a tiff. <laughs> like, uh, we were... I don't even know what we were disagreeing about, but we were in the kitchen, and she was frustrated, and she slammed a cabinet door and, like, kind of stormed off to the bathroom and locked herself in, and I walked behind her, and I, like, softly knocked on the door, and I'm like, babe, we ha we're going to have to talk through this. And then she opened the door, and we talked through it. So it's like, I definitely wouldn't call that a, a fight, but whatever that is. Anyway, that, that happened once with us being married. The only other time that we had like a heated disagreement was while we were engaged and we were planning the marriage, planning the marriage, well, hopefully that too, but we were planning the wedding and we had a disagreement on something and it was like, oh, well, I want it like this or my family wants it like this and her family wants it like this and you know, well, is it about satisfying my family or is it about satisfying her family? And then it's like, we just kind of had to stop and say, like, look, the point of this day is not either of us. Like, the, the ultimate point of this day is not that the bride looks really pretty or that the groom feels really honored or what. Like, the point of this day is that Christ be magnified. Mm. And it, it was so cool to have an experience like that just before getting married because i feel like it set a tone like that's a conversation that we kind of keep having is like okay i want this and you want this but what does christ want you know and let's mm -hmm. let's joyfully submit ourselves to that mm -hmm. that's a very long answer no but i do think that that's like the most helpful thing is cultivating a love and a knowledge of christ mm. i think humility is a huge one mm. but again like I, I what i love about all of these is is like yeah, it can be very focused on marriage, but a lot of this is like, man, just pursuing mm. Christian holiness, like pursuing your sanctification. Uh, but Christ calls us to model the same holiness that he, or model the same humility that he did in giving up everything to come and condescend to us and uh, die a shameful death for us. It's like mm. model, and he's like, go model that. Mm. Uh, so I think that for me has been a huge thing of, like it's something that, it's talked about a lot in uh, marriage books and in our uh, premarital counseling is is uh, before you start pointing the finger, like assume maybe maybe God is calling you to change mm. through your marriage instead of being like, well, this person is doing this wrong and this wrong. It's like maybe this is God calling you to adjust here or adjust there mm. or um, uh, to make you more holy. So I think that's something that's helpful, that humility of instead of being like, well, I'm going to go into this to fix the other person and make them perfect because I'm the best, you know, mm. most theologically savvy, most all this stuff, being like, man, I know that going into this, God is going to use this as a dramatic mirror of my faults. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things, I think it was Gary Thomas was talking about this, is like, one of the things is like, I spend a lot of time with Travis, but I don't spend as much time if I as if I was like married to Travis. So we... So he can see things in me that uh, are faulty, but he can't. But there are a lot of things that I could hide from him. Mm -hmm. 
But if I have someone it's who's hard with to hide me, from your wife. Yeah. yeah, if I have someone who's with me all the time and we share the same bed together, like, mm. how do you hide the little like oh frustrations and all that? Because like I can hold my temper with Travis and like go home and be frustrated, but like, man, if you're with this person constantly, they're gonna see. And they're going to start to pick up on that, and they're going to start to say it back to you. And a lot of that depends on their attitude as far as, like, it's it's bad to wind up with a wife, hmm. or for a wife to wind up with a husband, where they see those little frustrations in you, and they just, they don't address them, hmm. you know? It's like the person who says, well, okay, I, I can tell this bothers him, but whatever, like, he'll get over it. Instead of saying, like, hey... The way you just said that, like, that came off as really kind of aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. it's, tell, like if there's something bothering you, tell me, and, mm-hmm. and let's kind of talk through it. That's mm-hmm. that's such a more a much more healthy approach. Um, there's a, so at Celebration, at, at our church, um, we're doing a seminar, I guess you'd call it, this week on family worship and how to institute family worship. So it's geared, you know, toward families husbands, wives, and then if you have kids in the home. And uh, one of the, the principles is like, the if you do family worship together twice a week or, or however often you wind up doing it, it means that you have to keep short accounts with each other in as much as, like, Dad, if you just yelled at your kid mm. in a way that's not healthy, and then you're going to try to lead him in worship, you know, the, that night, mm. and pray and, and do all these things, like, you're going to have to confront that sin earlier than you otherwise would or or maybe if you weren't doing that you can just blow it off entirely and that's i'm sure that's what plenty of families do they just do not acknowledge Mm -hmm. um those you know when people butt heads Mm -hmm. so yeah all that to say humility humility that's a good one ah we got yours there's, dating. Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> no, there's 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 a lot of different things that that could fall into that category. Uh, one thing that I think would be very very helpful is to practice accountability uh, mm-hmm. in the relationships that you have. So, you know, you're going to be held accountable to your wife, your account, your wife's going to be held accountable to you, and again, you're going to spend a lot of time together, and all of those things are going to be coming out, so the introspective process of thinking through those on a daily or weekly basis, and being able to share those with other men who are a mentor or a disciple or whatever it is, um, in and of itself is a good process to help train you for when you're going to be doing that with, with your wife. Mm. Uh, to get that mm. set not mm. to mention that the accountability process helps in sanctification right if we're bringing mm. things into the light it helps become a better disciple and you said you know your theology is like number one i mean that's i feel like that's a unfair answer it's like well become a better christian you'll be better <laughs> i think that's that's pretty obvious uh but it's the same thing right you know the closer you are to christ and i think mm. a big part of that is being able to be open about what's going on in your life and you're going to have to do that with your wife so it's good to start that and, and that's not something you should end once you're married right you should mm-hmm. have that with with other men as well so mm-hmm. that's a big one mm-hmm. uh, another question i feel like i'm not unless you want to, you got a question mm-hmm. another question would be so before what are some things that like really important like yeah, we need to agree on this like before you should even pop the question like like this is the girl i'm going to marry but like 
So I know some. I know a friend. They got engaged and they're about to get married, but there was a big thing they disagreed on. It was the big one was having kids. Well, mm-hmm. like I'm like well, I don't know why you guys yeah. didn't talk about this before. Oh rats! But mm-hmm. he, he didn't want kids and she did, and that was. And they were big... married before no, they, they found that no. out. Oh okay. They, they were they were about to be engaged. About to be married. Okay. That's so fair. okay, that's yeah. But also got another who it was engaged and they found out something else they mm-hmm. disagreed on. Um, it wasn't kids. It was something about faith, but. Mm-hmm. So what what I would, <laughs> what would be like. These are things you guys have to talk about before getting engaged, like the big ones. Faith. Faith. Your sister. Uh, and like what, like what, when you meet by faith, like oh we have to like say have the same denomination or is it like what what do you mean by that? I feel like having similar like theological names is really helpful, but you should both have a uh, singular heart towards Christ, like mm. a, a deep love. And affection for him and an and understanding I, of the gospel yeah i would say and i think one of the things that i want to add to whatever things that we say like a follow-up on if because i think kids is definitely a hugely important one hugely like what does family look like for you are you wanting kids you're not wanting kids uh but there are stories of people who get married and they have that talk and they mm-hmm. and they and they said i don't want kids and they're like okay i can deal with that but later what they were saying was yep. i will I'm, tolerate it. I mean, not that I'm not, not even just I'm a tolerate. Like, I'm gonna hope that you're gonna change, yeah. or I'm gonna I'm change you, you through by like saying oh, like, look how cute kids are, look how great this is, like try to change you. So, I think one of the things you have to do is not only have those conversations, but really think through them when they they give the answer of, are you cool with this? Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, uh, you can go in being like, okay, cool, I'll just change them, mm-hmm. or I'll well, hope I... that they'll change, or pray that God changes. Yeah. Like, you don't want to go in being like. I'm I'm here to make my spouse into something else than they are. Like you know, like that's you were you have a spiritual leadership, but you shouldn't be like, okay, I'm gonna be the one that forms you into my own image or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with anything, I think having the conversations, but also meditating afterwards by yourself, like on those on those things, like this is what they said. Am I cool with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. So kids, I would say faith. Um, there was another one that I had, like... Well, and I... I yeah, I'd say maybe park on faith. Because I mean, we can talk money, we can yeah. talk kids, we can talk about, uh, you know, just the mm-hmm. idea of moving. Or, you know, is it... Mm-hmm. Would we be would we want to live in the state well, where my parents are from versus yours and all that stuff. But I'd say to park on faith and it's like, what are... Because there's some things, like, uh, I'm, I am a cessationist. I don't believe that miracles, tongues, prophecies, any of that stuff is for today. And I'm married to a woman who is a continuationist. She doesn't believe that it's, you know, everywhere, but she believes that it's possible and that it does happen. Exactly, and I don't. I just believe in the Bible. (laughs) I just believe, you know, that once the Bible was printed in 1611 that the Holy Spirit dissipated. (laughs) No. Anyway. It's heartbreaking to be like, oh, man, (laughs) we think the Holy Spirit's ministry is so tiny. It's just tongues, miracles, and healings. So I'm married to someone who believes that those sorts of things do happen today, and I am... You know, with a couple of asterisks, exceptions, then I, I'd say I'm pretty firm on the on the cessationist side. And I don't think that that has really um, affected our marriage that deeply. I mean, th- the main way that it affects our marriage is I make snarky comments sometimes about like, oh, I wonder if this is the Holy Spirit telling us That's to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. Aspect. But I mean, we, we understand each other. Like, I, I know that I know the heart with which she's approaching this. 
Um, and then she would, you know, she trusts my leadership and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like, that's something that I think is a pretty big deal. I mm -hmm. think cessationism versus continuation, it, it, like that's a, that's a pretty big deal as far as like the structure of a church or elders or things like that. And yet that is, that's something that I, I've not seen it, uh, like wreak havoc on our marriage or, or whatever it is. Um, but I think the main thing is like your understanding of how the gospel works. Like if a, if you have a Catholic and a Protestant, um, it's probably not going to work well if you have a Eastern Orthodox and a Anabaptist, you know, it's probably mm. not going to work well. Um, cause your faith informs everything. Your faith informs what you believe about kids, money, um, you know, authority, all those things. Mm. Um, I, I'd say one of the main things is like, you both need to have, you both need to be able to see in each other this submission to the word and like and understanding that I don't have it all figured out and I'm willing to be, like, educated or, or um, I'm willing to grow mm -hmm. in this area or that. Or just the desire to, to learn, like, that you're, you should be equally yoked in the fact that you are both seeking mm -hmm. to be sanctified and mm -hmm. you're seeking mm -hmm. Christ together because being, you know, being a Christian doesn't really mean that much, right? Like yeah. saying, okay, you know, you ask people, oh, you're dating, oh, is she a Christian? Yeah, she's a Christian. I mean, what, is, what, what does that, that really mean? mean? Uh, there's, a huge, there's a huge Lacky scale Latvian Orthodox. For <laughs> um. <Or> a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then I'd say even with regard to that, it's like you need to see in each other, it sounds so duh, but like you need to see morality. You need to see like a... a that the person's not going to compromise on their morals. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even small things I've noticed like really bother me and really bother Nicole in, in like a good way where it's like, if, if I were to see her and I, I've never seen her do this, but like if I were to see her cheat at a game, that would kind of, that would rub me the wrong way. It's like, even if we're on the same team and we're playing like, you know, I don't know, catchphrase or whatever. <laughs> and like she cheats and that means that we win. Like, at the end of the night, I'm going to feel kind of bad about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just to see, you know, integrity in the other person. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that, that kind of fleshes out. If there's more you guys want to talk about, but I'd say that kind of fleshes out the idea of faith. Well, what about, um, how about, like, hierarchy, authority, mm, yeah. submission in that? So so in that Vody Bauckham series that I talked about, uh, it's, it's four parts. The first one is, like, uh, I think it's called What is Love? And then the second one is, uh, like, basically what's the purpose of marriage. And then the third one is what he must be. So it's like he's a dad and he has a daughter and he says, you know, if there's a boy who wants to ask me for permission to take my daughter out on a date, here is what he must be in order for me to be willing to say yes to that. And then the, the final one is called what she must be. And I think he has nine sons, um, mm -hmm. you know majority of them adopted but uh like he has a lot of boys and it's like here's what he tells his boys like this is what she must be before you you know think about entering into a relationship with her and he's honestly it's like when it when it says what he must be he talks about you know how christ is to the church and he's prophet priest king and he protects and he provides and yada yada but then when it gets to the the girl and what she must be he says there's only one point and it is she must be submissive, and it's like, oh man, that's such a, that's such a wildly unpopular thing. But he says, you know, 
sure, okay, she needs to be able to teach your kids in the word, and she needs to be uh, graceful and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, look, you need to make sure that you find a wife who is willing to submit to your authority. And that is so unpopular. And, you know, there's a way to word that carefully, and there's a way to word it where, of course, you're going to get written off. Like if you say um, she needs to be submissive and leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. If, if you did, but the thing is, it's an hour-long talk, and it's like, okay, now let me explain what I mean by this, and like a, a spirit of submissiveness, and, and talking about how, you know, submit submitting is not just allowing yourself to be, you know, dominated or, or you know, abused, mistreated, um, but and and he's also kind of talking to the boys when he says this, where he says like, you know, her being submissive that should load you with a sense of fear and trembling fear. like like uh, uh you know just responsibility yeah graveness like this this grave sense of responsibility where it's like like i said if if i wrestle her into a decision that she would would have decided against and then i lead her in a wrong path it's like man that what what shame and what uh just what weariness and sadness is that going to bring on me um but i, I do think that that's important it's like you know we've nicole and i have have talked about that even when we were dating and it's like look the idea is if we and this only ever happened once where it's like we we really did talk and we really did try to see each other's points of view and and like for for days we talked and we prayed about it and we we saw you know uh you know the just what does the word say about this and um and all those things and then we were still at an impasse and we had to go like we went the direction that i wanted us to go um the vast majority of the time it's like we talk and we pray and we seek the word and then our hearts wind up you know impressed that we need to go in the same direction mm. um you know regardless of whose stance winds up changing it's like we we do find ourselves unified in the decision but it's like even when we do disagree she supports me she it's not like well fine we'll go this direction it's like hey this is not what i would have chosen but if this is where we're going how can I help? You know, what, what do you need from me? What can we, uh, what can I do to, you know, to serve this end? Mm. And, uh, that, that's been so refreshing. And I, I've run into that in other leadership environments outside of the husband and wife relationship where it's like, there are people who will say, I disagree with this decision, but I'm going to trust you that you're taking us in what you really do understand to be the, the godly direction. How can I help? And it's like, man, when you hear someone say that, that just like, that makes me want to weep with, with just, uh, you know, the, the grave responsibility aspect, but also just with like this love and this joy that like, wow, what has Christ done in building this community where there are people who will be so gracious? And, and even, even myself, I've had to be the one to say, you know, I disagree. This, this happened yesterday, actually, in church, uh, where there was uh, something that needed to be changed kind of on the spot. And I disagreed with the decision, but it was like, okay, this is someone who... I need to trust, and if 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 I want to have a longer conversation with them later about why they asked me to do this, it's not sin. It wasn't they weren't asking me to do something sinful, um, obviously, because then it's like, well, you mm -hmm. submit to the okay. word, yeah. not the person. Um, but like, man, it just it doesn't solve all problems, but it makes for such a healthier environment. And it and the home, like we were saying, that's the environment that you sleep in. And you wake up and you're there. And it's like, imagine waking up in an environment where you're uncomfortable and you feel mm. like you're not supported and you're not loved. And like, that would, that'd be 
horrible. Mm. Um, so yeah, a, an understanding of, of submission and, and authority comes into that. It's, it's something that has continues to surprise me. Like there's the, the, the amount of like pushback about that submission piece and about like, you know, is this unfair? Is this unequal? Because I'm trying to think of a single person on this planet who never had to submit. Yeah. Like it's very natural mm. and it's very common. It's like the most, one of the most common things. It's almost like, you know, uh, you, what, what does this person have to do? They're gonna have to eat. Well, hang on. Why do you have to make me eat? Like people who eat are, are less of it. Like, uh, we submit to our bosses. Like this morning I had, I, I had to wake up at the time I had to do because that was, that's the time that my bosses require me to be there and I'm in submission to them as someone who works with them. So it's like, you should be a teacher. Yeah, so it's and like I, it's it's something that and you just like, wake up when your baby starts growing. It's something that surprises me when there's that like that gets thrown around of the like oh well, this might make you unequal or make you like a doormat or things like that that I've heard. Um, it's it's kind of surprising to me because I go I think to myself not just that everyone at some point in their life is going to be submitting submitting to parents like all that kind of thing, um, but it's something that. Uh, Christ demonstrated in mm. his life. Mm -hmm. He submitted to the will of the Father and did not. It says he did nothing apart from the Father's will. Mm. And he demonstrated like that. It is it in no way makes you lesser or unequal or less valuable to put yourself into submission under someone. Like that's well, not. And and even thinking about like the fact that Christ submitted himself to institutions that were not. Yeah. Just God the Father. Like he paid taxes to yeah. Caesar, and we know what Caesar was using that money to do. But it's like he was able to do so because not because he had this detachment from this world, but because he understood mm. everything in its in its proper context. And so it's like, OK, Caesar wants these mm -hmm. coins. It's like, OK, they metal and it's got his picture on it. And, you mm -hmm. know, you can give it to him, whatever. But like mm -hmm. the things that God demands from you are more valuable than gold coins mm -hmm. or silver or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like that that whole idea of not getting not being in a tiff to reuse my Britishism. I don't even know if that's British. It just sounds like something I heard on British television. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's like not, not to get disturbed or, or overly frustrated at, at, at all those sorts of things, you know? Mm -hmm. And ultimately you do both want to be submitting to the word. Mm -hmm. It is a British look. I just looked it up. Tiff? Yeah. Is it like a disagreement? It's yeah. uh, short for Tiffany. Oh yeah, that's so right. a misunderstanding <laughs> different stuff, yeah. A misunderstanding, no. Finny. <laughs> uh, so faith, the gospel, submission, uh, money is mm -hmm. one that I think you right. had said and I had said as well earlier. It's like if you have very differing views on money, then mm. I feel like I money... thought of the other thing that I was gonna say. Uh, you should go through and like talk about if there are any particular like besetting sins. Like, so mm -hmm. that they know, not not in the sense of like, oh, this is what's wrong with me, so you can walk away, but just so it's like, you know, and it doesn't come as a surprise mm -hmm. later, um, and then there it can be that the beginning of the accountability, or if mm -hmm. they say like, hey, I you should find accountability, or continue the accountability that you have, mm -hmm. like, that's, I think that's a huge thing. Or, or just like, you know, so that they know, yeah. so that they can be helping you, Yeah. and like the, the one that just jumps out to me is like, alcoholism, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're an alcoholic, and I went to the store and I bought all this yeah booze for us for Very this weekend yeah. um yeah views on things like that mm -hmm. as well what what would 
do you think would be a deal breaker when it comes to money? Um. Now there are things uh, obviously like there's sin and uh, oh I have a gambling addiction or whatever and and so let's just mm-hmm. we don't even really have to bother talking about that stuff because I feel like it's already addressed when we talked about morality. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't put this in the sin category, but uh, what standard of living is someone used to? Uh, so for example, I grew up, you know very much did not really have a lot and so to me to uh you know bump up the ac in the summer where it's not you know where we're not setting it at 72 but we're setting it at whatever uh during the day that's that's not really a big deal or buying you know shopping at the gap versus our money exchange or whatever you know and I, i feel like that's something that you already know about someone beforehand but there are things that that might not be so obvious. So there, there's a, a couple that I know um, that they got married, and I believe it was after they got engaged that uh, the husband, the 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 wife to be, let the husband in on the fact that she had quite a lot of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Not not like student loan debt or whatever debt, but like credit card debt from buying nice shoes and handbags and and dresses and things like that. And the husband-to-be was very, like, thrifty and very, very much, like, had an eye on his budget. And so even, you know, they they did wind up getting married, and that has been a source of um, just contention not not like oh it's it's wrecking the marriage or whatever to my knowledge but like it's it's become a source of contention where it's like you know the wife uh had a stressful uh friday at work and it's like well it's the weekend i'm just gonna go buy all these you know fancy uh treats and and drinks and everything and bring them home and that way we'll just be able to have a nice evening unwinding and it's like you know eighty dollars worth of different things and then they bring it home and the, the husband's like where are we pulling this from like what line item in our budget are we are we assessing like, well i just i was really stressed out at work and you know i'm just trying to and so you have a, a situation where she is very much used to oh you just do things like that and you don't stress out about where it's coming from or what mm. you know what light item on your budget you're you're pulling that from and the husband is someone who like worked his way through college and and paid off his debt very quickly because he was very intentional with his money so i'd say like habits of spending if i had to wrap it up in in um in a you know concise way like are you the type of person who basically every friday night and then probably half of all saturday nights are date night and you go out and you spend you know 90 dollars on dinner or is it like okay that's that's the amount of money we would spend on our anniversary and if we go out on another night, let's try to cap the meal price at like maybe fifty after tip or whatever. Right. Um, and and those are things you might not know from someone just by hanging out or or even by dating. You know, there there are a lot of intricacies when it comes to, you know, people's thoughts about money or even like, you know, tithing or or other forms of charity. Um, yeah, that was me like talking for it. a while, but I don't know if I addressed. No, yeah, I mean, you gotta figure, I feel like you gotta figure out that kind of stuff quick. The reason I say that is because exactly what you said about 
Oh no! I was yeah. not talking about you. Just saying. No, no, no. Or, about that situation mm. is like if you get to a certain part where like we're gonna get married, mm-hmm. your reaction is gonna be, well, we're gonna work this out. Like, yeah, that's not gonna be enough to stop you. But in yeah. reality, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna create a lot of, a lot of stress. And honestly, even if you have two people who <clears> are both, you know, spending a lot of money, that's probably gonna create a lot of stress. Yeah. Too. So if neither of them has an eye <laughs> on the budget. Mm-hmm. So like, realistically, you know who does that's is just the creditors. A, yeah. mm. <laughs> that's just a, a bad spot. But I feel like that's one of those things that should be tried to assessed relatively early and intentionally. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you have to go like dollar by dollar, and it's like, okay, well, what's our average utilities, and and how much does this leave over for you know, yearly vacations or whatever. And, you know, if, if both people, I know marriages where both people are either accountants or just very numbers based. And it's like, I've seen it work very well for them because they're both thinking like that whenever they make a purchase or whenever they plan a vacation or, or whatever it is, they're both very intentional about that. Um, but yeah, I'd say the habits just like, you know, are you, are you in the habit of, uh, treating yourself, spoiling yourself or, or is it more like, well, I had a rough Friday so I'm going to go home and nap, like, because naps are free. So, well, that's a, that's an, I mean, it's also just a very, if you feel like there's a heart check there, if you are the budget thrifty type, which I am myself, mm. of, you know, being cheap and understanding mm-hmm. where is the balance there. And, and, you know, my wife is, is amazing, great, just so good about that kind of stuff about following my lead when it comes to that but you know like any normal person she's going to want some things Mm. and i have to go against my initial reaction of saying no Mm. no no Mm. to be like okay if you were a reasonable person is this a reasonable purchase like is there value to this is this bringing value to and usually the answer is yes and she has very good reasons for it and i have to check myself so Mm. Um, when it comes to vetting that part out, I feel like there has to be some introspection on yourself on yeah. what are your reasonable expectations and are you falling into sin from a greed? Yeah, or... you don't want to be tight fisted. Yeah. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna give liberally to anyone in your life, your wife, like so for example, to get kind of personal, um, so yesterday was the one year anniversary of Nicole's dad passing away. And, um, you know, I had asked her the night before, I'm like, how you doing? You know, this is coming up and, and, uh, just how, how are you handling it? And what do you need? Like, I'm, I'm here. We don't have any plans tomorrow night after church. Like we can just, and she's like, you know, my dad and I, we used to like, one of my memories with him is we used to go out and get nice food and, and, um, just kind of try new fancy restaurants. And so would it be okay if we went somewhere? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, and it's not she doesn't listen to this uh but it's like okay just had a kid and we're down you know this many jobs and we're down this many hours and we're down you know so i could start a set now here's the thing we're not in a tight spot at all it's not like oh no this is gonna ruin us if we do this like god has been uh very um he's given very liberally to us and so i don't feel like i have to but there is a part of my mind where it's like okay we're already here with our budget whereas six months ago we were here um and then to to do this so there's a part of my mind that i kind of have to shut up and be like look she doesn't need that right now she she needs compassion and for you to lavish her with uh 
with gifts, but then it's like, you also, let's say it was something far more trivial, and she was just always wanting that sort of treatment. There's a part of me that would want to lavish all those gifts on her, but it's like, okay, I also don't want to spend us into oblivion here, you know? Okay, so faith, the gospel, authority, money, kids, pets. Ooh, that's actually. That's how I actually. I, would I my recently heard my of a couple that decided not to date, like a, a guy and a girl that decided not to date because one has pets and one doesn't like pets. I don't know. That seems silly to me. It but... seems incredibly silly. I'm like, look, you're gonna miss out on an opportunity. Like they're both good Christian young people. Like, you, you're going to miss out on an opportunity to, like, build a kingdom outpost for God. Because, like, oh, I don't like dogs. It anyway. Happens. Who um, does not like dogs? I, I won't say his name. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I thought you like do like dogs. No. no I can, he does I not can, like dogs. I can, like, tolerate some dogs. Some well, dogs are cooler than others. Is it just, but it's not an animal thing, or is it animals? I like wild animals. Like humans. Mm. I'm not real big on like domesticated <laughs> animals. I mean, well, I, I guess like how about the ones you eat? Cool and stuff. I haven't really had like a full conversation with okay. like a an cow animal. or anything like that. Yeah, I just with felt like animal. you were an animal person. I like like ducks and swans. That's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't well, want to have them though. Like I no. want to go find them in the wild, but I don't want to have them in my really? house. Oh no. Okay. Do so you like bird watching? I could see you. I could yeah, see you a photo watch with Andy. Totally. I could. I'm. I feel like with your binos. Every day that goes by, more and more of like, no matter how much <sighs> I resist, it's like, no, give in to the dark side. <laughs> give in to oh. the donkeys. Uh, I guess if one, <laughs> you know, if your future Isn't spouse. How convenient. Anyway, they want like twelve. Well, you know, if they want to live on a farm or something, that's probably something worth considering. Yeah. Were well, you gonna yeah. say twelve like dogs? Like twelve cats or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's a they want three red goats flag. and seven chickens or whatever it might yeah. be. That's it mixing feel, it up. It does feel like it comes the other way. Of like the people who want the pets are the ones who are like, no, I'm not gonna date someone who don't. Like as someone who doesn't want to have yeah. pets. So, but I mean, it worked for me. I, that's how I, I, I do with one. Uh, and I feel like the. I was like, I don't like, I don't want. Or I said I don't like dogs, and I'm not a big pets fan. And she's like, Yeah. So <laughs> the end. Let's get and an old that's pitch. how it all happened. No, dude, I, I feel like related the... to two things: pets and David. That's how I. Hundred uh, percent. Uh, I feel like the kids' conversation is a pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, That's... it sounds weird, but like it seems like a pretty easy conversation to have, mm-hmm. because like, okay, do you want kids? What is a range of like? Do you want like oh two, maybe three, or are you the kind of person who's like, hey, as many as the Lord will bless us with, or, or four or five or whatever, and then you have to talk about like uh, discipline. You know, like what usually like what forms of discipline do you think are. Uh, admissible and which ones are not um so i mean honestly nicole and i did not really talk a lot about kids we said that you know we're comfortable with even unto spanking in the right circumstances and that we both wanted kids and that neither of us were like oh we want three or we want seven or whatever um my usual answer is like when people ask how many kids we want it's just well one more you know, it's like, and if I, if I have that one more, and then we still want another one, then I'll just mm-hmm. keep saying one more. Time. But yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved twins or triplets yeah. for the first batch. Mm-hmm. I do feel like three for the price of one is a good conversation piece. Yeah, when and when like, it comes like, to kids, like, or are you just well, saying I'm just saying like I, as a separate as a separate bullet point of like lower important expectations of mm-hmm. like 
what do holidays look like for you and your family? Because yeah. that was something. That's, oh my gosh, that's that was that's something for my parents. Pain. That was that was yeah. a big one because my dad grew up with like you got like one or two very like poignant like higher end kind of gift. Like mm. this was your big gift. You got the one big gift for the year for like Christmas or a birthday, and you got the one big one. But my mom grew up in like my grandparents' tradition because they. You know, both were real poor, really, 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 really poor in the Depression. So, like, mm. uh, very, very backwood, eastern Kentucky, very, very A can very of beans. Poor. Yeah. Well, they got every, because my grandma would say every year she got an orange, a handful of nuts, and I can't remember what the third thing was. There was some other thing. And that was it. Every year it was that. You was it an a orange was the stick of black licorice? It might have been, like, something like that. <laughs> um, or, like, something like spinner top or something like that. And you got uh, those three things every year. And that was what you got. And you like, she's like, you look forward to that orange. Yeah. Um, so because of that, she wanted to give her kids a different kind of life. And so she would do as many gifts as she could. She uh, wanted to fill the living yeah. room. So it felt like there was an abundance. But every gift was like pretty much not worthless, but it's like, here's a sock. Or like, here's, here's <laughs> wrapped one. up. Here's and then in that up, other... Um, that other package, yeah. another sock. Quantity <laughs> over quality. Yeah. That's the... not far off. Like, wow. that's not far off. Like, multi, as many packages as you can, break it down into the parts. Huh. Uh, it would, And it would be things like, you know, here's your required school supplies for next year, and we're giving it to you as a gift so you can unwrap mm, it. Yeah. So you can feel like you have a lot of presents. You feel like you're really, yeah. like, loved a lot. And so when, that ha when my parents had their first Christmas together, the expectations hit because he's like here's my one gift i got you and mm -hmm. it was super mm -hmm. pricey and it was what she wanted and she's like you do you not love me like you got me one gift and then she got him all this stuff and he's like why am i opening our old toaster that you put in a box <laughs> and wrapped up why'd you get so, me a three hole puncher <laughs> yeah exactly so i think i think that that's one example of and i feel like there's a couple others just like what are your expectations or like how often you know like what Travis already said with money, like how often do you want to go out to eat mm. or do you prefer to eat at home or um, who do you expect to be doing things like laundry and cooking, cooking and things like yeah. that? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it helps that yeah. Nicole loves and is good at cooking and I am not good. <laughs> so that decision was kind of made for us. Hmm. I got a friend, um, a really, I got a really close friend of mine. His name's Regan. So I have his name Steph. He just set up a two-year anniversary actually. Uh, we were talking, and uh, asking him about like you know what's the difference between the first year of marriage and second year of marriage. And he was telling me the first year of marriage, he said like, uh, expect your hobbies to go not go away, mm -hmm. but to be a lot less of. It depends mm -hmm. on the hobbies. He said like he's really big into video games, play video games all the time. And he said, he said it wasn't much of a struggle. Um, he said, but it got kind of annoying because he said he would want to play some video games, but his he wanted, but his wife wanted to spend time with him, so he said he had to balance that out. Mm -hmm. But he said, trust me, I play so little video games, and I said I don't regret, I don't regret like getting with getting rid of it. Um, I've had to sacrifice my time with, I have to sacrifice buying the new console games, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he said like get ready for the hobbies that you're used to, to go less of, or mm -hmm. you might have to just stop altogether if it's bad thing because he said well and he especially about, if your wife is big into quality time uh, yeah and he said know. he's he almost had to completely stop playing video games because he said like <sighs> i'd rather oh, well he said like i said like he, he was scared that this was put a mm. uh an edge, yeah. edge, edge uh, yeah. on the relationship but he said his wife was understanding that this is one of his hobbies mm -hmm. but like he said like he's 
it's good now, but he said it was yeah. definitely a struggle that I did not expect to have. Mm. I will say, I feel like that it has served my marriage very, very well that I don't play video games and I don't like sports. Because it's like, that just, I feel like that gives sports, us yeah. a lot of time to to hang out, talk. Like, I mean, you we watch some shows, but um, just like, I feel like we know each other really, really well in a way that I feel like some couple, and I'm not saying like all people that like sports or like video games, you know, they don't get any of this, but it's like, uh, like there are husbands that, I don't know how many hours they're they're always watching Sports Center. They're always watching, you know, they watch every sport, you know. And so when this sport wraps up, we're already, you know, starting into this other sport season and and they know all the names and all the batting averages and all the rushing yards and all like all the stats um, of every sport of every team. Maybe it's just from their town or maybe it's from maybe they just know the whole league and they're really into it. But uh, it's like. I'm not saying that it's a zero-sum game and that necessarily the less you know about the Yankees, the more you know about your wife. Um, but I feel like I've gotten... Time is limited. Exactly, yeah. You only have so many hours in the day. And so if you... I, I remember going to high school with this guy who was failing every class, mm. but he could tell you every... Like the the starting lineup of every NBA... Uh, team and and just uh, all these other statistics and I'm like man I know that it's also just something that genuinely interests you but if you put a mm. third the time that you put into following sports into your chemistry grade like you'd at least be passing or they just don't teach chemistry and allow you to have a class <laughs> like sports honestly I, I think that there should be avenues for for yeah. things like that for some people yeah. um but Anyway, like I, I get what you're saying. Like there, if you if you have a very time intensive hobby, yeah. expect to need to dial that back. Mm-hmm. You know, or, um, or unless you share that hobby, that's true. But it's it's rare yeah, yeah, yeah. that, especially like well, you know, with sports. I'm not saying it. It never happens. And same thing with video games. But the the thing with video games, maybe with sports as well, but definitely with video games is like it's not something that's time limited like you could literally do it for as long as you wanted to if you wanted to stay up all night and play you'd find people in you know korea to play when it's 4 a.m and all the americans are or most of the americans are asleep and you you know find people to to play at noon and it's like it's just completely unlimited when it comes to time Mm. and i'd say that there's a danger in that like it literally can suck up every uh moment and it's like there are there are some hobbies that i have um, but like, I feel like the ones that I have are typically like either I, it's not something I want to do all day or it's not available for me to do all day. Um, so, so that helps, but yeah, just being conscious with time because mm-hmm. my wife is very much mm-hmm. a needs quality time person. Like, uh, it's, it's weird when you go from like a bachelor and I like quality time and, and physical touch and all that kind of stuff, but it's, but it's like. It's weird going from a bachelor to your, you'll be in a house with someone all day, and then at the end of the day, they talk about how they feel lonely or neglected. Like, oh, I just feel like we haven't gotten a lot of time together today, and it's like, we've been at least near each other all day. Uh, but yeah, like you, you need to be intentional about spending time with them, communicating. Um, one thing we can't do it as much anymore, um, but one thing that's helped our marriage out immensely is just going on walks because when you walk 
your phones are away. And, you know, sometimes there's not much to talk about, but that's rare. Like, almost always there's something to talk about, even if it's just like, okay, what do we have going on tomorrow and the next day? And, and let's kind of plan out our week. So, yeah. I think those kind of stuff you can really see before you get married, right? And, like, if that's something mm. that a prospective husband or wife is, is into, like, that is definitely a pretty serious conversation that mm -hmm. you have to have around, you know, your time not necessarily being your own. And, mm. I've, I mean, kids make it that that much more important. Mm -hmm. You know, That's something that Jessica and I are still working through as mm. far as, you know, mm -hmm. how much time do we give each other? on our own and how do we use that time effectively and mm -hmm. so something like me coming over here right i mean this is yeah this is a big deal this is big coming away from it but it's like okay well i can this happens later at night right so mm -hmm. i can still cook dinner for the family i can still spend quality time with arlo mm -hmm. i can't put him to bed but like you know i made it like two-thirds of the way through the day and now i'm gone yeah and yeah so we're gonna miss a little bit of that alone time but it's like okay we do that once every four or five weeks right? yeah i mean it's like figuring out what is the cadence of, of what gets you the best yeah. return on investment with exactly. stuff like that because too when you're single right you just you have all the time all yeah the time in the all the freedom and it's like even you know we're trying to be intentional throughout the day I'm thinking like okay if i put her to bed now then she'll be up for this many hours or up for this long and then down for this many hours and then that means that when 7 30 comes around and the guys are here to record she should have just gone down which means i should have a nice long stretch of her being asleep so nicole doesn't need me in there so we can you know record hang out um and it's like you, ha you have to be intentional with that and then you still don't have nearly as much of your resources as you used to as, as far as time being a resource um, but yeah i i think the other thing is um, so another line from the sermon <clears throat> yesterday is like, you fight fire with fire. It's not like, oh, I have this awesome, uh, like, I love hanging out with my buddies and, and doing the podcast and, and lifting and, and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And man, what a drag to be in there with my, with my wife and my daughter and like, oh man, I just got to hold her. And she's, she's at this age where she's not like super reactive or whatever. I just got to sit there and I got to bounce. It's like, no, I, I. I actually really like this stage. I mean, she's kind of just a potato sack. Like, you just hold her, and then she, you know, her head goes from over here to over here because you can't really hold it up. But it's like, man, this is really cute. And it's, I, I have an opportunity at this stage in her life to really get in on the ground floor of, like, familiarizing her with my, with the sound of my voice and, you know, with, um, you know, just being able to bounce her and sing to her and all those sorts of things. And she's finally getting to the stage where, like, she's giving us little smiles and little noises that are not shrieks or mm -hmm. the sound of poop grunting you know like <laughs> that type of thing um <laughs> but yeah like she's giving us little coos and and you know just being cute little baby girl in general and uh but yeah i'm, I'm trying to just enjoy every stage so it's like uh last night for example nicole is dead time it's like 8 30 and nicole's passed out on the bed and we just got uh we just got our girl down um so she starts crying not nora or not nicole but nora the baby uh starts crying and it's like hey you just stay here on the bed and i'm gonna uh take her we're just gonna go into the living room and for as long as i need to be in there with her you know 
holder bouncer um play with her if if she needs to be changed i'll take a few diapers and wipes and everything and i'll i can stay in there and i i stayed in the living room with her until 1 a.m and she was asleep for some of that time and she was awake for some of that time and you know she made a mess and needed to be changed and i put some laundry on and switched it over but it's like i was able to give nicole until 1 a.m of her sleeping and it's like i genuinely enjoyed being with nora and then also when she slept, I got to get a little bit of a nap in. And then also like, you know, there were times where she just needed to be constantly walked and maybe I'd put a earbud in and, and listen to, you know, music or, or a podcast or something. And, and, you know, while she's not really responsive, but it's one of those things where as long as you're holding her, she's asleep. But then as soon as you put her down, it's like, yeah, like just inconsolable. It's like, how dare you? Uh, so you just pick her up and right back call him asleep but you cannot put her down so you can't go to sleep um but yeah just just finding and and man i feel like this is well i don't know fair not fair because uh i did not get a lot of paternity leave from my teaching job and also we had the baby and there was like a month left of school so i had to get make sure the kids were ready for finals and all that kind of stuff but now it's summer and i get two months off which means I can be up until 1 a.m. And it's not like, oh, man, I got to clock in at 7 tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. It's I, I do have some freedom, which helps. And I'm still working, you know, with putting things together for the church. And I'm going to be out later this week because of that seminar that we're doing. Um, but, yeah, just managing expectations. And, and maybe, I, I don't know what's going to wind up happening uh, for you guys, uh, Daniel and, and your bride-to-be uh maybe it'll happen for you i know you guys want kids i know you guys want there to be a little bit of time mm -hmm. as well um there there's a sense in which i am happy that nicole and i were married for a while before we had kids at the same time if we had immediately had kids i can see so much joy in that and just mm -hmm. being able to start off with them right away mm -hmm. and i do feel like i've missed time in some sense but it's <clears> like <throat> you kind of have to be ready for either mm -hmm. um and i was talking with somebody earlier this week or i guess last week and they said you know some people they date and they don't really know each other that deeply and they get married and then they have kids and the kids are enough to distract them mm -hmm. for like 22 23 years because they have a few kids and you know for long enough for all of them to turn 18 and so you know rocking them to sleep as babies and then driving them to soccer practice as teenagers and, and school plays and everything in between it's like that's enough to distract them from the fact that they don't really care for this spouse that they're yeah. chilling with and that they're roommates with partner, um roommate. what's that their roommate and business partner yeah exactly and then th and then the last kid moves out and it's like oh mm. you're still here kind of thing <laughs> like they're they never really cultivated their own relationship mm. And so there are there are blessings to have, uh, you know, Nicole and I really got to know each other deeply before we uh, wound up having a baby. Not that that was a choice, uh, and I would have loved for it to have happened the other way. But, um, yeah, just, just it, it helps when you really, really like the person, you know? When you enjoy the person, when you have shared goals, when you have shared interests. Um, and... and Focusing your home on the Lord and focusing it on, on, you know, glorifying and enjoying Christ. It's like, you okay, now you have an MO. Now you have a, like a, a purpose. And everything else that you do and enjoy, you know, can be plugged into that. So...
I know you said you had another question, and we've been kind of rattling on about no, this. No, Is, no, 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 I don't I, know I if there's anything else. Uh, I actually forgot that question. But a friend did tell me, I mean, it's not like perfect, but um, actually my brother told me this. He said, imagine the wife that you want to marry and expect her to, uh, her to want the same. And that's what you need mm. to work on. She wants a woman? <laughs> Like if you if you want to grow a woman that you know hard worker mm-hmm. that loves God, then expect her to want the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can't think of my question. I'll, I will come back to it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Go ahead. Get a little more <clears throat> adult. Esoteric. No, no, that's okay. No, uh, well, because we talked about likes and hobbies. What about uh, <clears throat> in the bedroom? <clears throat> Remember, this is not the After Dark podcast. It's not, but you don't have to get into detail. No, I, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> really? Because I don't. I didn't hear a question. Uh, how important is it that you have the same expectations going into the bedroom? So, like, there's a doorway. Like, you do want one of those... To do your baby-making stuff. Oh, no. Like, or with Legos? pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what making like little babies out of Legos. Oh. Um I I'd say to keep it, you know, from getting overly specific, um the main thing that I found is just really, really helpful is communication. And uh and I I it might have been I forget who it was that said this, but it's like okay. And this doesn't just apply to sex, but this applies to, I think, so many areas in life. It's like you have a husband and a wife, and the husband is genuinely more concerned with and, and excited at the prospect of making his wife happy than he is selfishly trying to, you know, please himself, and then vice versa. Like, if, if you also have the wife who's, like, just enthralled with this uh, this desire to to make her husband feel loved and appreciated and and all and pleased and all those things more so than she's trying to make you know to take care of herself if both people are genuinely more focused on trying to take care of the other person than on their own needs it's like what a beautiful thing you wind up with it's like you you wind up with this beautiful like uh dance as far as like um and and this can be like i said this can be in the bedroom or this can also be like um washing the dishes or this can be you know taking the baby late at night um to let the other one sleep it's like you're genuinely more like okay how can i make sure that she's taken care of and then and then you have someone who's thinking about you like that like how can how can i make sure that he's taken care of um so yeah that's that's the main thing that i would say has helped is like you know communicating um and then just being genuinely uh, desirous of that person's joy, you know, and their fulfillment. So there's no, no, and o that exists. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's oh. like, look, I think, I'm like, how, how do I word this? <laughs> not, not just, not just to like be diplomatic or whatever, <laughs> but uh, I think that there is a there's an aspect of the culture that's been so touched with pornography Mm. where it's like you have this expectation that there are going to be wild, crazy options that all have to be considered at every time. 
and it's like um i think in general uh you don't really have to you don't wind up thinking about most of the things that the internet would put in front of you as just like oh this is commonplace this is every day it's like i think porn has made um has made sex almost feel like oh it needs to be this edgy or it, it needs to be this um i don't want to say perverted but like this uh exotic in order for it to really be joyful and it's like you know that you can't you can't have joy unless you're you know doing all these wild things um so it, i i wouldn't say and again i don't want to go too deep into this but it's like it's not that there's no no but it's like when you communicate you know what is making the, the other person genuinely happy and so you want to provide that so so you're saying but you, to have a conversation though you're gonna you guys will need to have a conversation kind of but it's like it and i'm not a good dancer so maybe that's a bad it's it's like you don't stand next to the dance floor first and say like okay like when when we foxtrot are we gonna you know this this it's you don't have like a maybe some people do but it's not about sitting down with spreadsheets and figuring out what is you know what's on the table and what's not right but if you start doing the electric you, slide and a, someone wants okay. to just slow dance you know what i mean it's i i i get you but <laughs> you find those things out uh in time okay. like and and you don't you don't try to go from zero to 60 like right away right you know and so you kind of judge another person's comfort level once again not trying to go super yeah. into detail with no this. i'm just wondering if that's you want to record that... a separate episode that i just don't upload no i'm just saying that conversation. it's beneficial to have a conversation before getting to that um point. I, I will say this with premarital counseling um it, this actually wound up being very helpful advice because like you do want to have a conversation before you get married and set some expectations and um the person who did our premarital counseling said you know you're you're close to being married you're already at this point where it's like you know you've been saving yourselves for each other and you don't want to compromise yourselves so what might be a good idea is have a date where you just go out to, you know, a nice restaurant and you drive separately. And then after dinner, you maybe hang out in the parking lot or, you know, you go to a nearby park or whatever and you just kind of, so it's a, it's a public, you know, quote, in quote space. And you talk about some things and then you drive home separately. So it's not like, oh, you know, and then I drive her home and then we have this temptation and we want, you know, we're so close to the finish line and we just wind up, um, you know, dishonoring and, and, me as a husband, as a soon to be husband, I display my lack of leadership and self-control in, in a way that, that shames us. Um, so I found that to be helpful advice where it's like, okay, you have an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, but you're not like having the conversation in her apartment or whatever it is. So, yeah. And we were not told specifically, like, you know, oh, make sure you discuss X, Y, or Z. Like, we we just kind of came with our own uh, notebooks, <laughs> if you will, mental notebooks mm. of, uh, like, of questions. And that wound up being enough. Yeah. I think even more important about understanding expectations around it is understanding just, you know, what it, where is their history, where is their baggage, mm -hmm. and, like, because mm -hmm. that's going to inform those mm -hmm. expectations so you know obviously if you have a situation where 
two people saved themselves or some miracle situation where there was no pornographic mm, influences mm-hmm. or sexual, which I don't think is possible. Like everybody has been informed mm-hmm. by culture. So talking through that, I think is more important and understanding that. And like, especially if there's any, you know, again, current baggage of like, this is where I feel like my past has been scarred because mm, of X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z relationship, X, Y, and Z thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so you can walk through that together. It's like, uh, you know, this might, this aspect might be a challenge for me because of, because mm-hmm. of that. And, and I think physical int- intimacy can be a challenge for men who have been mm-hmm. either scarred by previous sexual partners or by pornography mm-hmm. of like thinking of all sex as evil. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do we, how do we, have this in a God-honoring way without me feeling guilty and, mm. and that kind of stuff. So having that conversation is pretty important. Um, I don't think like the specifics of should we do this or should we do that is, is super important because as long as you're both, again, of that mindset of like we're doing this to to, to serve each other, mm. mm-hmm. you just figure it out little by little. Yeah, and especially like with pornography, um, and I, I know that it's it's more men that struggle with this than women not to say that there aren't women who struggle with this but uh it's like it it makes sex so self-centered where it's like you know you look at pornography and the only person whose pleasure matters in that moment is yourself and i heard somebody say this it's like uh it it used to be that if you wanted to have an orgasm the first thing you had to do is convince some girl's father to allow you the privilege of beginning a courtship with her, you know? And so it's like, it was this really intensive, okay, like I need to have this amount of social clout and I need to, to be, you know, providing at this level and I need to, um, you know, be God honoring and I need to, uh, to convince this full grown man to entrust me with an opportunity to court his daughter. And then I need to prove myself every step of the way. And then I need to, you know, we need to finalize the marriage and then there's the joy of sex. And now it's like, um, I forget who said it, but it's like, you know, any nine-year-old with a smartphone has seen more naked, or can, in an hour, see more naked women than Genghis Khan. You know, you know, most powerful, okay, maybe not Genghis Khan, but like, mm-hmm. you know, whoever the most powerful an rulers and so. dukes, and or, or yeah, I'm saying in that per- person's entire life. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there's just so much and it's all it's like uh, it, it's so selfish where it's like, oh, if this doesn't appeal to me, I just move on to this other person. And if, if you know, like zero consideration for anyone else's well-being or, or feeling like they're loved or honored or, or any of that type of stuff. And porn just kind of robs sex of the things that make it uh, beautiful and meaningful. And um, I think it's Vody Bakum who said or he might not have been the first guy that said it, but it's like sex is like fire. You know, if you put fire in a fireplace, it brings warmth and light and joy to the whole house. But if it gets out, it destroys everything, you know? And it's like, if you keep sex in it, in its proper context um, between uh, a man and wife, it's like, you know, it, it has the potential to bring such warmth and delight and joy and, 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 feelings of being appreciated and, and all those sorts of things but if it gets out like it, it's such a it's such a dangerous thing and i agree you know dan had said the whole thing about thinking of all sex as being uh icky or sinful or or, or like people people will even use the phrase 
staying pure until marriage, as though having sex with your wife makes you impure, right? It's like, no, I don't want to stay pure until marriage. I want to stay pure. I want to stay sexually pure. And the fact that I've, you know, been with my wife doesn't mean that either of us are now sullied and that we're not pure anymore. Um, but yeah, that that aspect of, of pornography just kind of really perverts and, and twists what sex is designed by God to be to where it's something about like, it's all about me. It's all about me fulfilling my momentary uh, impulses. And uh, and I think it, it could be important to have a conversation like that because there are certain things that, um, you know, like you said, they might have left scars or, or just... Uh, emotional baggage that you don't you don't want to find that out in the moment when when someone might be traumatized um yeah and from that from the perspective of someone who's not married yet but soon to be i think there's a very very deeply pervasive cultural uh thing that goes around and now it's not just our culture it's like there's many cultures that have this Mm -hmm. which is that uh, ignorance of sex is a is is a bad thing. So it's like if you don't mm. know much about it, you mm-hmm. need to, you need to discover. You need to find out. Like I think about all the times where people will say like, "Well, you like how, how do you why do you you know wait till have sex before you're married? Like, you're gonna you marry know? her and you've never how even had you know sex how with to her do it and all this kind of stuff. Like and it just treats ignorance of it as a bad thing. Where it's like I like ignorance is a good thing. Yeah, there's a good thing to be like we're going into this and we well and you learn together. Yeah, you know instead of like this whole. You've got to educate. Yeah. Uh, Test drive before you buy. Yeah. It's like my uh, my wife's family, she has family that's not believers, and they were like aghast at the fact, like, you're going to marry this guy and you've never lived with him? Like, you don't know mm. if he's, if he washes his dishes or if he, you know, puts the toilet paper on this way or that way. It's like, how are you going to, or you, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to marry this guy and you've never had mm. sex with him? Like, how do you know if you're sexually compatible? And it's like, look. We're going to be sexually compatible because we're going to be committed to each other, you know? And it's like, if there are things that, that we get wrong initially, it's like, okay, hey, cool. We have until we're both dead to figure out, like, how to yeah. be how to be gracious and kind and, and serving and loving of, of each other. Mm. And uh, it's like, I, rather than, how about if I just test drive... 20 different partners and then I find out all the things that they like and dislike and then I have this totally unique person who none of that information mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. and voila yeah. it's it's like uh mm-hmm. you know I only have to I've talked about this with dating it's like uh um what what girls like as far as the way that you look or whatever and I'm like I'm blessed I only have one woman that I have to worry about yeah. it, it, oh does she like if I have facial hair or not or if my hair is long or short or if i wear this type of clothing or it's like i only have one person that i have to worry about Mm -hmm. and uh it's such a it's such a relief to be able to cater um those sorts of decisions to to just caring for one person Mm -hmm. and what to go off something you also had said um about the whole like purity too and then afterwards that Mm. uh, one thing that a mentor of mine mentioned that is really really helpful i think because i think a lot of guys can think of it as uh you know i'm holding off until and then when i get married like i get everything like no holds bar like and what he was saying is like you're disciplined now and you're gonna have to continue to be Mm -hmm. disciplined in your Mm -hmm. marriage it's not like discipline stops yeah and you stop being disciplined you stop you know putting uh 
you know, some of your desires on hold or sinful desires to death. He's like, you're going to have to continue to show restraint in marriage. Like, it's not like, oh, now every single thing, like the, your partner's mm. job is to make every single one of your fantasies come true. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to have to continue to be controlled at times. Um, and I think that's really helpful because I think uh, we can have that mentality of like, oh, let me just get this far and then I can, like, I can put it together as long. And there is a, but what I think the wonderful thing is, is, um, so you, you kind of crush that dream, but it's like, you get this better dream, yeah. which is that it's more fulfilling. It's, it's more, um, there's more connection behind it than just, you know, I get all the stuff that I had been fantasizing about for so long. Mm. And now I get that handed to me. It's like, that gets taken away in order for something better to be handed mm. to you. But I think that was something that made an impact on me of thinking of it of, instead of being like. Oh, I only have to be disciplined for this time being like, no, this is a longer term thing. Yeah. I've, I've heard men say, and I will be honest and say, this has not been my experience, but I've heard men say that sexual purity was a harder struggle for them mm. after they got married than before. Mm. And I will say that by God's grace, that's not been my experience, but it's like, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get how it could be, um, you know, a, a, a deeper struggle for someone after that. But I mean, I, I think the other thing about like with pornography or even with like just kind of hookup culture is um, one of the most fulfilling things about sex is like afterward, you're with someone who cares about you mm. and who loves you and who, who you know, their desire is to, to I mean, not to make it super hokey, but like to build the kingdom with you and to, to you know, grow a, a home and a, an environment of love with you. And it's like with pornography, when you're done, you're just kind of left with this sense of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's only a cultural thing. I think that that's, uh, I think that that's built into us. Um, but it's like when you're done, you have nothing to show for it. It's not like afterward you find yourself beside this person who knows and loves and, and and deeply cares for you and it's like man one of the one of the great feelings and one of the the graces of god in how he has designed sex is that afterwards like you have this rush of endorphins and we can talk about the brain chemicals and everything but it's like you have this rush and then it just reaffirms or, or solidifies this this deep connection with a person that really loves you and that really and and like it sounds so cheesy but like that really loves you and that really likes you. You know, it's it's cool being with someone who genuinely likes you as a person and isn't just like, well, I love him and I'm committed to him and so I guess I'm not going to get divorced this year. And uh, it's like, no, someone who, who really likes you and, and um, you know, you have fond memories together and, and you laugh together and you, uh, you cry together. You attend family funerals together, like all those sorts of things. Um, and is on your side no matter what. Oh man, That's it's the so. Thing for us, I think. Yeah, like a a a, a partner, <laughs> a life partner. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just uh -oh. I had a plan. Tell me with his same plan actually. He's like, yeah, I'll I'll always support my wife. She always support me. And she could say something that's incorrect, and I'll still support her. For instance, she could, she could say, the sky is green. She could be arguing with her family, saying, the sky is green. I'm like, yeah, the sky is green. But when we're together, just me and her, I'll tell her, hey, the sky's not green. But in the meantime, when she's in front of the crowd, I'll, I, I got her back. I don't know. I, I would not go that far, but I'd be like, 
hey, uh, babe, maybe let's have this conversation <laughs> another time. Like, let's uh, change the subject. But I mean, where that really, really see that is when you have tiffs or disagreements or whatever, mm-hmm. or when things are really hard. Why well, I, I said that thing? You yeah, know, that no, was, I got that you. A, <laughs> an Conscious homage. When you have that situation, you can bring it back so quickly to this idea of like, you know, this is not us against each other. Mm-hmm. This is us against the problem, the problem yeah. that we're having. And it's like that mm. just changes the mindset so quickly to where in that moment you can feel that bond and you can feel that chemistry of just like, mm. yeah, we're going to we're going to beat this. We're like, going to be all is, right. This yeah. is not that mm. big of a deal. Yeah. And you come out on the other side stronger because that was like one other yeah. one more thing that you have bonded together and mm-hmm. come behind each other to, to support each other and yeah neat yeah well I think we solved that was marriage. fun we solved marriage guys mm. we cracked the code um yeah as as trying to be more conscious toward the end of the conversation and and think about you know while I'm listening to uh, what different people are saying, like, okay, we're saying all these things, and I freaking love marriage. It's been wonderful so far, and it seems like it's just going to continue being wonderful. Uh, I know there are going to be challenges ahead, but at the same time, going back, I don't want to idolize it. Mm. And so it's like to acknowledge that all the things, all the lovely things that we just said about marriage, about being with someone who genuinely loves you and genuinely supports you and is for you and wants to, wants to, build a kingdom outpost with you and, and all these sorts of things. It's like sons, the like sexual aspect and, and the agreeing on finances aspect, like all those other things. It's like, look, we already do have that. We have that in Christ. We have uh, complete fulfillment. We have everything that we need. We do have someone who loves and supports us and, and, um, desires our good and will support us in uh e- even when we're saying the sky is green not saying that the that christ will affirm us in that but like will will correct us and and bring us around it's like um i've i've thought before you know could i be content to if i had never met nicole and never you know had we'd never had her little baby it's like to go all the way, to go all the way to the grave, let's say, you know, 90 long years mm-hmm. of life and and never uh, have a wife or offspring. It's like, you know, could I could I be content? Could. And the thing is, like, I can affirm that Christ is enough. Um, but that's a real question for me. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, I, I get it. I'm supposed to check. Yes, I'm supposed to say yes. But it's like I have to call my heart to um, to submit to the gospel and to say, like, look, um, one day, like, there's a 50-50 shot, she dies first, you know? There's, well, I guess slightly less than that because women tend to live longer than men. But it's like there's there's a chance that, that she goes before I go. And uh, in that moment, Christ will not have abandoned me. Even if it happens earlier than I feel like is fair, you know, or even God forbid that, you know, we lose a child at some point in our lives, um, whether that's a, a miscarriage or whether that's a, you know, a 40 year old child who I have to go to their funeral. 
um it's like it all those things that tragedy that befalls me and that befalls so many other people it's like in that moment christ is not absent and in that moment christ is still enough so it's like to to acknowledge that it's like everything else can be viewed as a blessing i'm not saying it's just like a cherry on top or a bonus or whatever but it's like look if if all that is stripped away um I still have everything that I need because I have Christ. I had a conversation with Nicole. Uh, we had only been married a couple years at the time, and we were just going for a walk, and she was, I think I might have said this before, but it's like she was talking about how God has been so good to us because of uh, this house that we've just moved into and because of uh, these jobs that we have and because of X, Y, Z. And I told her, like, man, I, I appreciate the heart of gratitude, and I want to cultivate that in you. I just want to make sure that we're not saying God has been good to us because he's given us these things. It's like God has been good to us. And for now, we have a home and mm. we have our health and we have, you know, each other. Um, but when we no longer have those things, God will mm. still be being good to us because we have his son. And uh, go ahead. I'm... <clears throat> And I'm not going to, I'll just give a disclaimer. I'm not going to say I'm right, but I'm going to push back on that. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds funnier. Um, because if, if, if Christ was really enough in singleness, I don't know what would then breed the desire and the pursuit to get married, you know? And I'm not quite sure what that means that Christ is enough. Because I can understand if Christ was present here now as he would be, let's say, if we were in heaven and all that stuff. And, and if he was, I probably wouldn't have the desire to get married because I would never be lonely. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I don't think we're going to have sex drives at that point. So, like, there would be really no desire for that. There would be no pursuit. Mm -hmm. But as long as there is a desire and a pursuit, then I don't know how Christ can be enough like this at this moment. Right. I think it depends on how you define what is Christ being enough mean. Yeah. Right. I mean, if we're going to say that, okay, Christ is Lord and that he's on the throne and he's reigning. Sure. Well, but that doesn't, that Christ doesn't like. Enough, I think means that you can still proclaim that he is all good, regardless of whether he allows you to be married or pours out all these blessings, or if you have a life of depravity and suffering. I mean, right. But you don't get married because you don't, you, you think that all of a sudden that affects that. You know what I mean? Like, so you get married for the reasons of being lonely and because you have, for the most part, a sex drive, maybe you want kids as well. It's not necessary that you get married for that because um, you can adopt. But whether I believe that Christ is good, reigning as my Lord and Savior, that doesn't affect why I want to get married, as you're saying. So it, it, how does Christ then become enough? I don't, I don't even really see that language in scripture that christ is enough um I, I see paul saying that if you cannot be married then by by all means get married you know if you can't if you can't live that unmarried life then by all means get married mm -hmm. but it's never this oh um christ is enough um i don't think that in this life the way that christ is presently um present or manifested i don't think it could ever be enough I don't think that's the point. Well, I, yeah, I, I think um, because you, you seem to be saying, like, if Christ is enough, then why is there a yearning 
for things that I don't currently have. And part of that would be a yearning for him to be here more physically present and right, ruling right. and reigning. Um, so it's like, how can I have... Uh, I, I think it's a difference between... Okay, this is going to sound like I'm being obtuse, but like between contentment and, and fulfillment. It's mm. like, okay, I can be content even though there is not the consummation yet of, of, of Christ um, being physically with us. So it's it's almost like uh, maybe in saying Christ is enough, it's like his promises are enough. And I, I need to have faith that when he fulfills those promises, I have to have faith that he will fulfill those promises. But in the meantime, um, he's given me the faith uh, to live in a in a state where I yearn for things that I don't have. I and among that is I yearn for Christ to be with me. I also yearn for, you know, let's say a wife or or kids or things like that. Um, but that I can make it through the present state uh, because he will sustain me. So it's like just because I'm I'm sustained doesn't mean that there's no um, attention given to anything that's not physically present with me now, you know. Yeah. Um. So when I say that when I say that Christ is enough, um, I mean I I feel like I mean that in the deepest possible way, which is not to say that, um. Therefore. I, I have no sex drive and no no uh, desire for, it, you know, to, to listen to good music or companionship or whatever it is. Right. But it's like everything that he gives me, I acknowledge that I have to hold with an open hand. And were he to take that away from me, you know, let's say I can never listen to music again because I go deaf. Or let's say that he takes my wife away from me or, or our house burns down and we lose our, our we lose everything. OK, in that state. I still have everything that I need. Okay, so I I'd, I'd say that that's maybe more the um, more of what I mean when I say Christ is enough. Not yeah yeah. I I just don't think that that's again this uh, go to my prior disclaimer. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really feel at this moment in my life that that is cause for for like rejoicing. Uh, because, okay, let's, because I, I, I've thought about like being deaf. I mean, that, that could really, really suck. Never to hear music again or sounds like that. That's life changing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, does that change who God is? No. But then it's like, you've taken this thing for me that you, it was never mine to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. None of the things that I have are mine to begin with, but you did take something from me. And what does he replace it with? And that's what I find to be the hardest thing about those kinds of issues is like, it doesn't seem that there is a replacement. And then I guess it just causes more of a yearning for it all to end. You know what I mean? To be honest, like mm. just let my life end then. Um, and that, that's what I think is for me, at least is one of the biggest struggles, just, um, you know, still being single at this present time. It's like, I don't need to be with somebody. I know that if I had Christ in the way, even if he was just, you know, present on this earth like he was with the disciples, so not like in full, full glory or whatever. If I had Christ mm -hmm. that way, I think it would go a long way in helping mm -hmm. um, you you bear that burden and mm -hmm. that, that loss. And I do think it's a loss. I don't think that God robbed me, but I do think it's a loss. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, I 
It's a sacrifice. Right. And I, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be a loss if it's a sacrifice, mm. but it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's not like a, what do I get in return for it? It's just more like, um, if you're, if you're going to continuously pile on more hardship, mm. where is that grace to carry that hardship? And I, I'm well, not quite sure I find it in simply praying and, uh, reading the Bible because after you're done doing that, you're still alone or you're still deaf or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're seeking an actual comfort, mm-hmm. a tangible comfort. Yeah. That's, that's what I struggle with most is where's this tangible comfort? Which, which to me, well, I mean, two things. One, it's like, look, the idea is that you're clinging to a promise mm. of something that you don't have right now. And it's like, I think that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. It's like, you have these people, you have these people who they did lack and, and like they did suffer want and they suffered torment and they, they, uh, they lost children and they, they, um, they lost their homes and their, their livelihoods and they demonstrate, they continued to demonstrate faith that the thing that they were being promised really was going to be worth it in the end. And that might not manifest, like it often doesn't manifest itself in present tangible comfort, kind of like what you're saying, but it's like, this seems so shallow, but it's like, you got, you've got to believe that the thing that God promises really is going to be worth it. Um, and then not only that, and I know, I don't know how, I feel like I have an idea of how you'll respond to this. It's like, he does give us his spirit and his spirit gives us a sense, like, a a peace that surpasses our understanding. It's like, look, I don't know why I feel a contentment or why I feel, look, I, I do feel lonely or I do it. I hate that I lost my hearing, but like God is giving me his spirit to, to, to be with me and to stir up in me and understanding constantly that he's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's not left us alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think one or there's an, an important thing uh, to think on, to really like chew on, is sometimes, and we shouldn't ever expect, expect physical blood, like, oh, God's got to give me this and this and this and this. Because right, himself right. is mm-hmm. is enough. Like, it's, it, yeah. Um, but there is the Psalms that say, you know, consider all his benefits. So it's like, there is mm. a, there's a level where we're blessing the things that he's blessed us with. But sometimes it, we can also get into a rut of, I'm looking in this sphere and I'm waiting for him to bless me in, an, in a, this or a like of this. And he's mm. giving this and this and this along the side and all these other things and pouring mm. out and pouring out. And you're like, yeah, but this yeah. chunk. Um, and you can get super focused on that. One thing I really appreciate from one of my um, mentors that kind of would just very, very kind guy, but would just lay it on the, the, the light lay it out is from all of his time counseling guys before they got married and after they got married, he, is he said that, marriage will not fix your loneliness mm. and you go into it thinking that you're gonna he's like he's like i've counseled tons of guys who are lonely and mm. they're married he's mm-hmm. yeah. like it'll fix it'll fix aloneness but it won't fix mm. loneliness christ right. is the one that fixes loneliness and you so i think sometimes you can have this overarching thing of like this person or that is going to be my savior they're going to deliver me they're going to make my life better and they can't yeah do that they can improve some things but they can't fix you not fundamentally not way deep down that's that's something that only christ can do and i think sometimes what we have to see because again i I totally get that like i pray i read my bible and i just don't feel different Mm. um one thing is 
the desert journey may be a long one. So it may not instantaneously go, but mm. what you might find is that uh, year after year as you're compiling, like things are getting better. Um, and I never saw it was so gradual. And the other thing is, uh, for me, when I was focused on lo being lonely and being like, oh, why can I not? It's been year after year after year, and like girls aren't even looking my way. Mm. One of the thing I would I'm not gonna say one of the things, like one of the chiefest things that Christ did to fulfill me, and I think it will continue even after my marriage, is the church. Mm. How can I be alone when I have friends that I can like? I can go over to Travis's all the time. Mm. Um, and even if like, he had a baby and he's still like, yeah, come over, man. Like, how can I be lonely when I have all of these, like, it, like let's say if I never had kids, I have all of these kids at Kids 44 yeah. that I get to teach the gospel to. I get to tell about Christ to these middle school students at Pursuit every Wednesday. Mm. Um, that's awesome. There's no loss. There. Like, so for me, one of the reasons why the church is so important is because when Christ says it's not good for man to be alone, and that is primarily meant in marriage. He's talking also about community. Mm. Like, you're meant to be in this body of people that is redeemed and relies on each other. And I think when you, like, you, when you start being thankful for that and being like, instead of being, you know, in my mind, what I was doing, like, instead of being like, oh, well, I don't have a wife, I don't have a wife, I don't have a wife, being like, who do I have? Look at all these connections and mm. friends that I have. I went from having, like, I was living in Portland and I knew nobody. Mm. Like, nope, I'm not even like hyperbolizing. I didn't know anybody, so I'd go to class, I'd go home, I go to class, I go home, and now I'm looking at my life and thinking. And I'm not trying to say that that God wouldn't have been good if he if he hadn't done this, but by stepping out and continuing to push forward in faith and and uh, be a part of the church even when it really hurt and really sucked, continue to be a part of the church. I'm uh, you know looking back at wedding invites and being like, there are people, there's wedding invites going up to Maine and to um, Vermont. And Indiana and all these stuff and like and all of that was because of the church. Mm. It's not like oh I met this guy because I was at a brewery and we spoke in a conversation like oh and so I think um, I think that's something that that really nurtures us and and uh, and comforts us. So that's that's just one aspect, but I think that's one of the ways where it's Christ gives us a little bit of His presence um, in the church and a little bit of His presence in. Uh, yeah, in comforting us in the in the hard times, and I think the one thing is, if we if we say, "Oh, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna read my Bible, and I don't feel any different," because we're checking the next minute, it might be a couple days, it might be a couple months, and it might be a season where you have to keep keep uh, holding fast and going forward. Um, but that's okay, you know. Like you you want to you want to find that endurance. We want to be people who are not folding after five minutes. We want to be like looking for the long run, and most. Most of life is probably going to suck. Like, that's what <laughs> yeah. we're promised because all of eternity is blessing mm. and grace mm. and comfort. And so Paul says, I don't even consider comparing. Like, it's nothing to mm. go through this entire life where I am alone and friends abandon me and people beat me and mm. I'm going to get beheaded. And it's like, and I don't even think that's worth even mentioning mm. when I think about what Christ is eternity. going to do. So. Yeah. Has it not stopped? I'm gonna have to cut this. Humidity's making me continue. It has happened. Don't want to be people who start. <laughs> I still think there's a a place for 
mourning and a place for questioning when it comes to difficulties and when we feel like we should you know we're earnestly seeking God and we're earnestly asking him for certain things and we're feel like we're not receiving it there's there's this expectation that as Christians everything should if we're being the perfect Christian to turn out our way which is not true not biblical at all now there's sanctification and there's levels of that that Mm. we should see in our life but at the end of the day we are a broken people living in a broken world and you know all of the wickedness that happens was our own doing from from the fall like all this loneliness and whatever is our fault or at least the fault of our fathers Mm -hmm. which is carried down to us so therefore when these things happen there is a a good reason to say this is not right like this is yeah. not mm-hmm. how this was supposed to be like yeah. death mm-hmm. was not supposed to happen loneliness was not supposed mm-hmm. to happen sickness that's part of it and and frankly i think we try to run away from that as a church and try to say like okay well being in community and all of mm-hmm. this kind of stuff is going to fix it which very well it could right all of those things can get better and God uses those things to bless us mm-hmm. and to lessen it in this world. But at the end of the day, until the problem is fixed, which is death created by sin, which is what we're looking forward to, those things are still going to exist. Those things are still mm-hmm. going to weigh us down. And no amount of praying and Bible study and trying to follow God's law perfectly and being legalistic or even not being legalistic, having the best faith ever, is going to guarantee that any one issue is going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a mm-hmm. there is a possibility that it's a, a sin struggle or whatever it might be that will persist until you're dead. But the contentment that you can have that they were talking about is knowing that there will be a day where this will be redeemed. Yeah. No matter what, this is going to be redeemed. Even if God took my wife and, and child, mm. you know, he is good not because he gave me a wife and child, but because... He came in and saved us when nobody else could, mm-hmm. even though we were the ones who brought this on ourselves. It just recontextualizes everything. Because I mean, you were just, I, I was thinking about the words of Jesus where he says so two things. One where the woman comes up to him and is like, oh, blessed is the womb that gave birth to you. And uh, he says, blessed rather is he who does the will of my father. And then it talks mm-hmm. about like this, these people saying, oh, you're, your mother and your brothers and sisters are coming to talk to you. And he says, look around. These are my, my brothers and my sisters. And then also, um, so just talking about the, the, the household of faith and thinking of the fact that, you know, for, for years, and like I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, be gracious and, and put myself in your head because it's like I, I, you've not been praying this and then five minutes later, you're yeah. like, "Why hasn't it, why hasn't it still happened?" It's mm-hmm. it's been you know it's a year long a years long struggle, and for years you know I wanted kids and I wanted a baby, and it's like, oh man, you know I'm the last Bergner, and then like I need to make sure to have uh, a a baby to and a baby boy especially to carry forward my name, and then I'm, I I think a couple things. One is like, oh the auspicious Bergner name of like. Mm. My grandpa's dad was a hobo who like <laughs> jumped a train from Tennessee during the depression to come here and be a phosphate miner. And mm. then like, we just never had, it's not like my name matters. It's like, a, there's a better name. It's the name of Jesus Christ that I'm supposed to be advancing and pushing forward. And even if we had never had kids, 
kind of like what Daniel uh, was saying is like, look, um, I have all these kids. I have, you know, dozens of kids that I am charged with some fraction of their spiritual development, of educating them, of teaching them who Christ is, what the gospel is all about, how they, you know, should live their life in, in submission and in joyful obedience to him. And it's like, if, if I neglect that, I, I know it's not a wife. And I know that's the big one where it's like, you know, the, okay, the church is my brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, but where's my wife, you know? Uh, and that is, that is the big one where it's like, man, um, you know, it, it's the one that you most feel like you are lacking perhaps at times. Um, but as far as, as far as loneliness, it's like, man, there is a place where I go and I'm surrounded by people who are on mission with me and I'm building them up and they're building me up and they're following up with me and they're holding me accountable. And, and like my life, I'm not just meandering from one hobby to the next. Like I'm living with purpose and a marriage serves that end and godly friendships serve that end. But the church is always there, you know, and, and it's like whichever of us dies first, myself or my wife, it's like the church will be there for the one that is left behind. And, um, you know, historically the church has even provided physically for widows. Um, so, you know, just take heart and, and hold fast to the, the promises. Because even though they're not actualized now, um, and even though there's this real felt sense of loneliness, it's like, what, you know, cling to the church um cling to the word and and to the promises and and pray that the spirit would invade you and just be in a way that surpasses your understanding infuse you with this contentment um and that that's really most of what i can say um i appreciate you being honest too because i want to say like i've had that not the exact same because I don't know one's the exact same, but like a very similar pain uh, and longing for a long time, and there's a lot of frustration, and it's like in almost like in church circles you can kind of, or you know, growing up as a Christian, like you can kind of almost be like, oh, I shouldn't be griping about that, or it's probably not great, or, um, but it's good to be honest and to say like, yeah, this is something that I'm really struggling with, and this is something where it's a deep longing, and for me the frustration was like it says in scripture, like, it's better for this, and, like, you know, mm. uh, there's a lot of Old Testament stuff of, like, rejoicing in the wife of your youth and enjoying, mm. and, like, <laughs> all of these things that's, like, well, why not? Um, <laughs> but I do think, like, what what is being said was, like, keeping your eyes fixed on Christ and, and, and having him re continually renewing the joy of your salvation, but I think that's such a great reminder of laments are absolutely part of god's mm, scripture and part of god's yeah. um vocabulary that it gives to us like it's natural for the psalmist to say this is where my heart is this is where this is the the grief that i'm feeling but he reminds himself of his hope but he's still saying like i just don't yeah things just seem awful all around me mm. um but where I think are it, you yeah exactly yeah how so long i think i think I'm, I'm just, my, my thing, I'm, I guess my, my only point here is really just like applauding, like, I appreciate, like, being honest and saying, like, mm. you know, not just giving that, that church answer, like, well, Jesus is great, but being like, I know he is, but
but right now it just doesn't feel like there's much substance to that mm. um but i do love i think it's i don't know if, if i'm getting the direct quote right because it's like a song that was adapted from but i think it's psalm 129 where it says those who sow weeping will go out with shouts mm. of joy um mm. and it's like kind of it's kind of the same thing with paul was talking about like you labor with for christ and you sacrifice and you give all this stuff up and then there's this promise of like because it can seem like it's like this has no end where is this going and then all of a sudden you know when christ comes back and we're reunited with him it's like I feel like in that day, because even there's like suffering for me now, where it's like I still don't fully, fully get where this is going, and like I know on that day we go out with just these triumphant shouts of joy, like oh, this was all worth it in the end. This was worth the work. This was worth the heartache. This was yeah. worth struggling with people, um, and striving. Okie dokie. Love you guys.